0: afraid not podcast with jill mccormick and robin wall we believe that our stories matter and make us who we are every other week we invite guests to join us and share their stories even though our stories have knots, we are not afraid our stories are afraid they are not perfect
1: we believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger we hope that god uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in him Our theme verse is Colossians 1, 17, which says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, even our afraid knots." Today on Afraid Not, our guest is Misael Gonzalez, a wonderful young man that has got an amazing future ahead of him. We're so grateful he came today to talk to us. He's a friend of ours from First Baptist Owasso, and he is a recent college graduate, now fully adulting. Like, homeowner, got the mortgage, got the taking care of his lawn, the whole thing. And by the way, he's single, ladies, so just saying. He's a pretty great guy. Um, and he is actually the bilingual teaching pastor at First Baptist Church Owasso, and we're really grateful that he came
0: on Afraid Not today. Misael's going to talk about some situations that happened when he was 15 and when he was 16 that um, made a huge impact in his direction, and then a domestic violence situation that happened that really shaped some situations in his own family and where God was leading him. So I think you're going to really get a lot out of this episode, so listen in. Thank you so much for joining us today, Misael. We're so excited.
2: Hey, thank you. Thank you. This is
0: awesome. Thanks for saying yes.
2: Hey, anytime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that you are one of our maybe the third time or so that we have had someone who's not of the female persuasion, i <laughs> afraid not. So we're oh, excited. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Three or four. Hey, I'll yeah. take number three. I'll yeah. do it. <laughs> Besides our husbands too. <laughs> That's true. So would you start us off, Misael? Just introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay. Tell them a little bit about you and your life. What you've been going through, hobbies, kind of just what you're a day in the life of Misael. What's okay. going on?
2: So a day in the life. So no, no like background, just more day in the life. Is that cool? Just a
1: little snapshot. All right. bet. <laughs> so
2: uh, my name is Misael Gonzalez, like you guys heard, and I'm 23. So I turned 23 this past March. And so that was awesome. And uh, I'm one of the pastors at First Baptist Church, Owasso, and I so happen to be bilingual. And so some people call me the bilingual teaching pastor. Mm-hmm. And so I speak English and Spanish. So all of you speak Spanish. What's up? <laughs> and uh, I live in Owasso and I bought a house in uh, November of twenty twenty.
1: You're like really an adult now.
2: Yes, yeah, really an adult. You know I care <laughs> like, a, like <laughs>
0: mortgage and stuff. Yeah,
2: a mortgage. I kinda care about my grass now. It's really <laughs> weird. Like I've been researching like <laughs> seed products and like lawnmower. I bought my first leaf blower and weed eater the other day. It was crazy, but I'm kinda like the new age guy where it's all electric. You know what oh. I mean? It's not really gas, so I try to do, do that. And so that's part of my day. Uh, I'm also getting my master's, and so that's that takes a big part of my day as well. I just finished my first year of my master's, uh, so I'm doing that. And if you were to follow me around in my day-to-day, you'd see that I love sports. So I love playing basketball. I love watching basketball. Um, I love working out. And so you'd come with me to YMCA and it'd be a great time. (laughs) Uh, But I love the outdoors as well. And so I try to go hiking at least once a month, Uh, whether it's Turkey Mountain or somewhere else. It's been really beautiful. Uh, I almost
0: got lost in Turkey Mountain one time. I went hiking (laughs) by myself. Yeah, and it was getting dark and I was like, I don't know how to get out of here.
2: Oh, no way. I finally
0: found some ages followed him out. Yeah, I
2: was yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
0: This is scary. I might spend the night
2: here. But no, way! you're like, yeah, I have to I'd follow the trail.
0: <laughs> the time I got lost at Turkey.
2: <laughs> That'd be a book.
1: It could. It would be a book. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh,
2: and then I love my family. So I'm the oldest of seven, but my my parents are divorced. And so I have one brother that's the same mom and dad. And then the rest of them, either same mom or same dad. But I'm still the oldest of seven. And so that's interesting and, and just a fun fact of all of that is I'm actually the only kid that's bilingual. The other really? ones are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the other ones either kind of understand Spanish or just don't understand or don't speak it at all.
0: Wow. So how did that yeah. happen?
2: I have no idea. Huh. That is probably the grace and power of God because I mean my first language was Spanish. Yeah. And then I learned English in school. And throughout my life I was speaking Spanish in the home. But then there's this switch have that happened where all of a sudden my parents had more kids and they sp- they spoke more English. And so the home kind of became this Spanish and English house. Mm-hmm. And it's almost just an English house now. But my grandparents walk in. That's where uh, all the Spanish comes in. I love yeah. it. And so I didn't really use my Spanish a lot in college. I went to OBU. I don't think I said that. I went to OB for college and never really used it unless I was talking to some friends from Colombia, Puerto Rico. And that was really fun. Uh, But yeah, I I kept it. And Mm -hmm. and my grandpa, even to this day, just when I call him, he goes, Misael, I just, I can't believe your Spanish is so formal. Like, it's just, it's crazy to me. And I was like, I don't know. So
1: more of the, you have the correct tenses with the, not, not the slang, but more yeah. of the book. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, huh. it's
2: fascinating because I, I don't have all of those sayings or idioms. Right. Like right. I know them, but I never say them. Uh, and so when I say something, I explain it and it's to the point, which makes it formal. It's not a,
1: okay, I'm it.
2: using idioms and examples mm-hmm. that we usually tend to use in different languages.
1: But what a gift that you have both languages. Mm -hmm. So solid. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure as we talk today, that may be part of how God's weaving your story and using you in his kingdom. And that gift of language is so important Mm -hmm. in getting the message of the gospel out. And I love—I've heard you tell your siblings' names in order, and I just have to ask you because it's (laughs) so delightful. Please go. All through the sibling... Like, say your names all in, row, in a row.
2: Okay, okay. So I'll tell you the funny way that I yeah, usually do. Yeah, uh, So you usually have Misael, Hassiel, Abdiel, Cain, Isaías, Adriel, and Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so listeners,
1: can you repeat that back? Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Sorry. Go. go for uh, okay. it. You have, you have a test
2: at the end of all this. But it's funny because Caleb, who really we call Caleb... He's actually the second oldest. So it's Misael and then Caleb, and then the rest of them came after us. And so it's just funny how all of us end with EL, uh-huh. except for a couple, but then you just have Caleb. But it's with a K, so that's kind of special, right? Yeah. That's kind of special, right? So I don't know.
1: That's I know I it.
2: interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's it's so funny. You know, imagine how confusing it is in the house when you hear Hasiel and I'm thinking, okay, did she say Misael, Abdel or or, or Hasiel?
1: Because you hear
2: the, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. he's like, I didn't hear the first of it. So then all of us come to the kitchen. Because like, yeah, mom, what do you want? She's like, no, I want you. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, my, my story is really interesting. Because I'll be honest with you. I'm a nobody from nowhere. Nobody from mm. nowhere. Because my whole family is from Mexico and Spain. And my, my mom grew up in Delicias, Chihuahua. My dad grew up in Sonora, Navajo. And they met in Weatherford, Oklahoma.
0: Wow. It, Interesting.
2: It, yeah. It, I'm telling you, it's just crazy. And they met in Weatherford and, um, and then they moved to Tulsa and then they got a divorce. And that's when I moved to Altus, Oklahoma, which that's literally nowhere. right? <laughs> and uh, and I, I moved there when I was five and my, one of my aunts was still going to high school. And so I actually drove in the car with my aunt. As she went to high school, and I went to elementary school. <laughs> and that's how I ended up at this very tractor-driving, yeah. straw-chewing, boot-wearing high school in school. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm none of those things. Zero. <laughs> like, <laughs> none of those things. And so it was really interesting uh, just growing up and all of that.
1: Well, it's pretty cool. I, I, when you said, I'm a nobody from nowhere. hmm what just resonates with me is I think that I think all of us feel that way. Mm. Yeah. Like who am I? Mm. I? What's we don't know that, um, but the things that you feel like oh I'm a nobody from nowhere, but oh actually,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as you're going to share your story and as we look back over over your shoulder to see what has God done in your life, like it's a masterpiece, mm. and yeah. that He has such an amazing. Thing he's weaving in your life, and listeners in your life, that he would take your mom and your dad from there, where they were born, to bring them together, like <laughs> from Chihuahua and yeah, the other one, yeah, Sonora, Sonora to yeah. Weatherford.
2: <laughs> it's it's absolutely I mean, crazy. And yeah. if you look at my grandparents' story on my mom's side, that's a whole crazy story too, because my grandparents were dating since they were like in middle school, all the oh. way up to high school. All the way up to like adulthood. But then they broke up because my grandma's parents told him, hey, you're too poor for our daughter. Because my grandpa's walking around with like no shoes, you know. Mm -hmm. And so he moves to the United States and becomes a bricklayer. But he had this calling in his life to be a pastor. And so uh, my grandpa's about to marry someone else. But then his brother died in Mexico. So then he goes back to the funeral, sees my grandma. And they're like, what? And then they had this like magical kiss and the rest is like,
0: wow, that's like a movie story. Yeah. It is. Yeah.
2: No, seriously. And so they got married. Oh, it's a whole crazy, even on their end, how the Lord has orchestrated all of these things.
1: Absolutely. Well, tell us about how your journey of faith started. Mm. Did you grow up in a home where you heard about Jesus and how much he Mm. loved you? Or were you, did you come to Jesus later in life? Like what was Mm. your story with that?
2: Yeah, you know I'm I'm really blessed because my grandparents, especially my mom's side, they're the ones I'm closest to. They they grew up in Mexico in a evangelical church, so it wasn't a Catholic church. That's
1: pretty, and rare it's pretty rare in Mexico.
2: Oh, pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And so they grew up in the gospel. Uh, and so again, I like I told you, my grandpa had this calling in his life to be a pastor. And so, in the United States, he had zero training, but he came under the discipleship of this other guy. And my grandpa actually ended up becoming a pastor. And it was at his church that my mom and dad met, and that's and that's where my dad was saved uh, because he came from a Catholic background. And uh, and so, when I think of my upbringing, I truly think of my days in Altus because I was five years old. That was where I was growing. And my grandpa is a pastor in Altus. And so uh, I had the blessing of growing up in a believing family. Mm -hmm. In a family where I got to see my grandpa teach the gospel with his life. Where he would take out the trash. He would clean. He would do all these things. Which is crazy in a Latino family. Mm -hmm. Because you have this thing called machismo. Which Mm is a... uh, you know the man. I mean, I guess you have it in all cultures where the man just kind of sits on. The, yeah, 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 yeah. The man just kind of sits on the couch, and the woman does everything. But I got to see him say, "No, we are to live in humility uh, and, and equal uh, submission." And so I got to see him do dishes and cook and all these things, mm-hmm. which is so anti our culture. Uh, and so I had that beautiful privilege to grow up in a home where. Uh, at church, in the home, and all of these things, I got to see and hear the gospel. Uh, and, I mean, there's even pictures of me. <laughs> it's so funny where I'm uh, sitting next to my grandma at church and she's like scratching my back.
1: Aww. And it's
2: just like so sweet. so sweet.
1: Sweet memories. And your grandpa's yeah.
2: preaching. Yeah, my grandpa's preaching. Uh. And 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 really, that that is where I was saved as well. And so mm-hmm. I remember... I was seven years old, and I've always been like a deep thinker and just processing things. And <clears throat> so I remember my grandpa uh, preaching about heaven and hell and, and Jesus being the Savior and how we're sinful, like all of these things. And I was really processing it. And I had one thought, and I still remember that thought. It was, I can't and God can't. Like, mm, I couldn't that's good. and God could. And so it was in that moment where I said, man, I, I need Jesus in my life. He's the only one that can do it. And that was my, my uh, childlike faith, you could say, mm-hmm. uh, where I said, okay, Jesus, I need you. I don't know exactly what that means for my whole life for every single moment, but I just know I need you. I need mm-hmm. to put my faith in you. And my grandpa's always been so clear of saying, if you're going to really make this decision, You're making the decision that Jesus is the Lord and the boss of your life. That's how he said it. And I was like, oh, the boss. Okay. I said, okay, Jesus, you need to be the boss. Uh, And he's a good boss. He's a good king. He's a good Lord. And, uh, you know, there was these moments where uh, I had doubt. And one of those moments was when I was 13. And I remember just thinking, am I really saved and I was just being attacked by the enemy, mm-hmm. honestly. Am I really saved? Do I really believe all of this. and it, it was more so a the assurance of salvation more than the doubting if God exists. And so again, I've always been a deep thinker. and so for some reason, God really talks to me a lot in the shower. like I know, <laughs> like, I know that sounds really weird, but no, every no. time I'm in the shower, I'm, I have this like this moment with God. and so I remember being in the shower) <laughs> At thirteen years old and I'm processing all this doubt. And I said, God, I'm done. I am done doubting the assurance of my salvation. And I started preaching the gospel to myself. I was like, No, this is real. Like Jesus is real. What he's done is real. I have the Holy Spirit. And and I just began to make all these connections and I'm literally preaching the gospel to myself. And to where once I got to the shower, like I've never had a doubt again. Where I said, Okay, God, you're you're with me, I'm with you. Let's do this thing and Again, I truly believe I'll save that seven, but that 13 mm-hmm. year old like, moment was where I, as a human being to myself, put the kind of the stamp of, yeah, come on. We're I it.
1: love it. I, yeah. I, I wonder if anybody listening right now has had that little nagging doubt mm-hmm. that the enemy has attacked you, whispering in your ear, mm-hmm. are you really saved? You don't really think God really loves you, but just like Misael just said you can literally preach the gospel right where you are, like driving in your car, mm-hmm. just remembering that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved, remembering that um, who is whoever's in the palm of God's hand cannot be snatched out by the enemy, um, remembering that for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life and not mm-hmm. perish. I mean, these are just scripture verses that... And as Misael just said, you just preach it to yourself.
2: Yeah.
0: You choose to know these are the words of God, and the words of the enemy will fall down. Mm. And I think it happens a lot with those of us who got saved as young children. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I had one of those experiences, too. I got saved when I was probably seven or eight, and then at Falls Creek when I was in middle school, Mm. going, did I really mean it then? Did I really understand? Mm. Like overthinking it. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And I I think those are those moments where you truly have to just hold on to God's Mm -hmm. word as God's word, like you said. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I
2: love that. I love that.
1: I love it that you ended up at OBU, which is where you became friends with my daughter, Emily. Yes. And that's kind of a fun thing, listeners, that my daughter, my oldest child, Emily, was a classmate of Misael's at OBU, friends yeah. for four years all the way through school. Yeah, good friends, and um, she just, helped me
2: out with my science classes.
1: Oh, love it! Yeah. I think you helped her out with some Spanish. Yeah. I remember she t- oh, saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it was
2: good.
1: how did God bring you to OBU? And I bet that was an instrumental part of your path. Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah. So there's they like there's so much to unpack. Of how did I get to OBU? And so if By I go... By the way, it's
1: Oklahoma Baptist University
2: oh, and Shawnee yes. in
1: Shawnee. And if you're like, what's that school?
2: Yes, 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 yes. Uh, there's so much to unpack. So if I go crazy long, let me know. Uh, oh no, go for it. Because I definitely want to make sure I give you all the layers. Because it's a miracle, honestly, that I even knew what OBU was. Hmm. Uh, so the thing about my upbringing is that I grew up in a really Hispanic Latino home. Mm-hmm. Uh, where... I I almost felt like I was in this little cultural bubble where my home and my church were all uh, Latino, Spanish, a little bit of English. Uh, You know, a lot of people say, oh, let's go eat Mexican food. And I'm like, yeah, for me, that's just food. (laughs) And and, and even in in college, people are like, oh, I I don't want to have like Mexican before a basketball game. And I'm like, dude, that's what I had every time before a basketball game. (laughs) And uh, so I don't know. The Lord, I guess, was preparing me for college. <laughs> and so, uh, and the reason that's so important is because growing up, I didn't know what deacons were. Growing up, mm-hmm. I didn't know what elders were. Growing up, I didn't know all of these things that normal church people know because we were technically the Hispanic mission of an Anglo-American church. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of just tossed to the side. You're mm-hmm. kind of across the street, do whatever you want. You're all by yourself. And it was really interesting and uh, and then I have to tell you this a story before I get to 16 because when I was 16 that was an instrumental time uh, of how I got to OBU. But my so I told you my parents met in Weatherford, Oklahoma, and they met. My mom was 16 and my dad was like 23, 24. Hmm. And when my when my mom and her sisters got to the United States, uh, my grandparents were very very strict. Uh, they kind of came from a very legalistic gospel, even mm-hmm. evangelical kind of realm. Right. And they repented of that, but you know, <laughs> they told my my mom and her sisters saying, "If you guys get pregnant in the United States, we will kick you out of the house." And so, my mom meets meets my dad. And you know they begin to kind of hang out. They they begin to date, and all of a sudden, my mom becomes pregnant, mm. and she's sixteen, hasn't told anybody, nobody, and she was really really scared. Like, what do I do? And uh, really, I think it was actually two three weeks after she found out she was pregnant. She had a yearly checkup at the doctor's office, and it was just a normal checkup, not a plan, not whatever, it's like, hey, this is just where it lands. And so she goes to that yearly checkup, and of course, her mom is there, because she's only 16. And so they check everything, do everything, and they're like, hey, everything's perfect, this is awesome, but we have one last thing, and so we have to ask you a question. And she goes, okay, yeah, sure. So at this point, you have to remember, she knows she's pregnant. Uh, she knows she's two, three, four weeks pregnant.
1: Oh, my goodness. My heart just goes yeah. out to her in yeah. this moment.
2: Yeah. And so she knows she's pregnant. Uh, she, she thinks she's gone clear through the whole checkup. And then he's like, okay, one more question. She's like, oh, man, what is it? And he goes, well, we have to give you this shot. But before we give you this shot, we have to ask you if you're pregnant or not. And my mom, just her face just drops. And she looks at her mom and says, well, why do I have to get the shot? Look to the doctor, why do I have to get the shot? The doctor says, uh, well, we have to give the shot because it's really beneficial for you. But if we, But we have to ask if you're pregnant or not because if you're pregnant, the baby will come out dead or deformed. And so those words come out of the doctor's mouth. My mom looks at the doctor, looks at her mom, looks back at the doctor and says, I'm not pregnant, mm-hmm. knowing fully well that she was. And so doctor says, okay, gives her the shot. And in that moment, my mom just broke inside and just cried out to the Lord inside saying, God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against the baby. Uh, And Lord, I pray that you protect this baby. And Lord, I want to be so bold and to say, I will give this baby back to you. And this baby will use all of their life and all of what they have for your glory whenever Mm -hmm. they're born for their life. And that was her prayer. And they get out of the doctor's office, go back home, and my mom just falls on the floor crying. And my my grandma was so confused. She's like, what's going on? And so my mom finally tells her mom, tells my dad, tells everybody. And everyone's crying and praying, and they're making phone calls. Please tell us that the baby won't come out dead or deformed. And they said, no, it is. That's why we asked. And so lots of prayer went into it. And lots of checkups went into it. But they still couldn't tell if, I, if the baby was okay or not. They still couldn't tell. And so after nine months, uh, mom has the baby and gets the baby. And it's like, okay, let's make sure the hands are where they're supposed to be. Let's make sure the little eyes are where they're supposed to be. The little toes where they're supposed to be. And the baby came out okay. It came out great. And, that, and what's just insane is that that baby was me.
0: Oh, you know that me? gives oh, me chills. Like, oh, gosh. That, that
2: baby was me.
0: God protected you.
2: Yeah. I technically really should have been born dead or deformed. Wow. And so... Wow.
0: And you were bathed in prayer before you yeah, were even here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and so what's crazy... It's amazing. ...is that you have to keep this story in mind because when I turned 16, I had the most clear encounter with the Lord saying he said, you have to use all of who you are and all of what you have for my glory for the rest of your life, mm. which is pretty much the same wording that my mom used when she was praying. Yes. And, um, I didn't know it was a call to ministry. Like I didn't know that's what it was. I was like, I was like, God, I'm already saved. And he's like, no, 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 this is different. This is different. Uh, cause as believers, we are to use all of our life all for Jesus, but he's like, no, this is different. This mm-hmm. is like vocationally, this is your passion. This is your calling. And I said, "Lord, what are those words? I don't know what those words are." And so uh, I go and I tell my mom all of this, and my mom just begins to ball her eyes out, and she goes, "Me said I have to tell you a story."
0: Oh, you hadn't even, you didn't, I know, didn't that know story? Oh. I didn't know.
2: So then she tells me the story. I just even told better
0: you. and better. <laughs>
2: yeah, and and I and I then I start crying, and I'm not a crier. I promise you. I, I think I cried like once the past three years, and it was It was just a powerful moment wow. of the Lord solidifying that. Hmm. Uh, so that's me at sixteen. so now i'm I'm like sitting here at sixteen, and by this point, I'd helped out in the church, like playing drums and running some sound and this and this and this. So then I prayed I said, "Lord, use me. If I have two cents, I want to use two cents." <laughs> and literally, two weeks later, again. These whole two weeks thing is just crazy to me. Two weeks later, I get the most random phone call from a random youth pastor that I've never met. And he says, hey, Misael, uh, your school's having to see you at the poll rally. Can you lead worship? I was scared to death because before this point, my mom would want me to sing with her and I'd say no. And so she'd like cry in the kitchen because I wouldn't like sing
0: with
2: <laughs> her. And so I'm on the phone and I'm like, um... I never have, but I'll do it. And the words just kind of came out. And I was like, what am I doing? And he goes, did okay, you think cool. to
1: yourself, what did I just say? No, exactly, exactly.
2: And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Well, all right. you know." And so I hang up. And I said, mom, I guess I'm leading worship. And she starts praying again.
0: <laughs> and,
2: and so the only thing I had was this rink-a-dink, a little Spanish guitar with no strap, like nylon strings, uh, that's all I had. And I said, well, mom, I'm, I'm just going to use this. And so I had, again, I was so unfamiliar with like Christian contemporary music. So I'm pretty sure I picked songs like 10,000 Reasons, Forever, and like something else. I don't know.
1: Those are great songs.
2: And, and so I practiced. And I remember practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing because I was just so, I, I don't know. I was so unfamiliar. And, and I'd be sitting there I was like, mom, like what can I do? Because my mom leads worship. I think I forgot to mention that. So I said, "Mom, help me out. How do I do this?" And then I printed off all of this music for everybody. And so to see what the see at the poll comes. I'm handing out all this music to everybody. I pull up a chair, so I had to go inside to the school, grab like a little chair, put it down, put my foot on the chair. Because you
1: have no strap. I no,
2: strap. <laughs> I no strap. I put it on I say, "I say, well, guys, let's let's sing." And so I start playing, and and I'm doing it. And as I'm as I'm leading and as I'm singing. And it was, it was probably just terrible, but I don't remember. Uh, so many things came through my mind. That story came through my mind. The story of my grandparents' wreck when I was in fourth grade. No, not fourth grade. No, uh, yeah. When I was in fourth grade, uh, it came to my mind because my grandpa was teaching me talk guitar. But then I stopped because he got in a wreck. Um, mm. So that came to my mind as I'm, like, strumming the guitar. And I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, and it was a beautiful moment that someone captured the moment of me very first ever leading worship. And I okay,
1: need... You have a picture of it?
2: Okay, okay, so I did because it was on their Instagram. Wow. But they've, they've kind of archived it and took it down. But I need to call them and ask for that picture. Yeah. We can and put it on our yeah, social media. Yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be sick. It's a yeah. cool... It's a cool background because it's like, it's taken from the back of me looking and there's a horizon and there's like people standing. Oh, it's really cool.
1: And it's the very moment that you said yes yeah. and led worship. That
2: I walked into doing were ministry. And you scared to death. <laughs> yeah. It was the very first time I walked into doing ministry. And so from from there, I saw the Lord just progressively build me as a leader, as as a missionary, a minister, as a, as a worship leader, all of these things. These to are gifts where, he gave you. Yeah. He put them in you. Yeah. It's because I'm telling you, it's, it's not for me. I'm nothing awesome. But from there, I started leading worship for different youth groups, which was funny because I had never been part of a youth group ever. And so I started <laughs> leading worship in the youth group. And so I went to different youth groups to lead worship. I started a fellowship of Christian students at my school. Uh, and I had to battle that a little bit because they're like, well, if we do that, we have to bring in the Muslims mm-hmm. and bring in those who believe other faith. And I said, you know what? Bring them. Let them start other groups because our God's more powerful than that. So it was kind of like this Elijah moment. i like, all right, you know, let's see yeah. who's, who's going to bring down the fire.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: but no other group was started. But it was insane because I started that. And the Lord did some crazy cool things. Some people were saved. And I was able to baptize one of my best friends from that. Um, And so I'm like a high school student baptizing them because they don't trust any other pastor. So now I'm like borrowing a baptismal at a church. And it's a Sunday morning. And so all these random people come to the church. And it's a whole ordeal. Uh, So I have to give you all of that picture for you to understand that I get to my senior year of high school. And the only colleges I know exist are OU and OSU. That's it. That's it. That's it. And I was going to JUCO uh, for concurrent classes and courses. And uh, they had a, a college fair or university fair. And one of my friends was like, hey, I'm going to this. You should go. And I said, okay, cool. I only know OU, OSU. I'll go check it out. So I'm walking around all the booths. And I'm just seeing them. And and at this point, I said, okay, Lord, you've done so much in my life. Am I just supposed to serve in the church or serve people and then be a chiropractor or an architect? Because I really love all that stuff. Uh, Again, I was still misunderstanding this whole call to ministry thing because I didn't know what to call it. Uh, And and I end up at this booth and it said OBU. And I was like, what's that? And so I was talking to the guy. I said, hey, what's OBU? And for the next two hours, he's the only one I talked to, and he's the only one that talked to me. And he ended up being uh, one of my great mentors at OBU. Ended up being the like the academic uh, admissions guy at OBU, and I didn't know that. What a
1: divine appointment! No, that day. Seriously.
2: Seriously. What's his name? Bruce Perkins. Wow. Yeah, and now he heads up the divinity school in the prisons of Oklahoma.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: he's, he's that guy. And what's weird is that he grew up in Frederick, Oklahoma, which is literally 30 minutes from Altus, Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's insane. That's interesting.
2: So, that, that conversation
1: a, changed your life.
2: Changed my life because I said, time out, time out. You're telling me I can study theology god and the bible and philosophy at a college he goes yeah i said no you're lying you're totally lying you're telling me i can go to school for ministry he goes yes that's exactly what i'm saying i didn't know what to say i was like this is crazy and so that's when i knew the lord was like hey you have to go to obu and i only applied to obu without knowing what it was and you hadn't even
1: visited yet
2: Never visited, (laughs) never nothing. I just said, that's where I can study the Bible and theology. That's where I need to go. And the first time I ever stepped on OBU's campus was when I walked in to like that enrollment day.
1: Wow. Oh my stars. I love it.
2: Yep. So when, when I tell people I went to OBU, they automatically assume, oh, your entire lineage went to OBU. And I said, no, I'm the first and probably only one in my whole family to ever go there.
1: It's amazing. That's very cool.
2: So that's a lot to impact. I hope I hope that wasn't too much. I love it. It was just, yeah.
1: And I know we have specifically asked you to share about afraid not time in your life.
2: Yeah. And, but,
1: but before we do that, I really think it's important that we don't miss this important part, too, that right now that God is using you in ministry, mm-hmm. that the role you're playing at First Baptist Church Owasso yeah. is... It's just the first step of many of how he'll take and weave your, your path. But it's really awesome how he's, all the things from your languages to your family life to your um, theology, gifts, knowledge, theology and your yeah. music gifts. God's using
0: mm-hmm.
1: all of these things mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this amazing coming together. So tell mm-hmm. our listeners about just in the past year and a half or so how yeah. he's brought you through this process.
2: That's a great question. Uh, So, you know, I get to OBU and uh, I'm beginning to learn and and to study. And I actually was a part of a church revitalization my freshman year all the way up to senior year. In Shawnee? In Shawnee. Yeah, to where I'm I'm a college student, but then also I'm beginning to be one of the leaders and, and the pastors of a church that was about to die Honestly, and God used 19 to 23 year olds uh, and the Holy Spirit to turn that whole place around that by the time I left, we had to do uh, two services. Half of our congregation was college students, where when when I first started going there, it was probably like 30 senior adults and that was it. Uh, So it was very fascinating to see how Lord used uh, just everything that he gifted me with for that moment at OBU and at that church. And so I didn't know this, but apparently uh, your husband, Chris yes, Wall, yes. Was, was stalking me. on. He had that been praying media. for a long time
1: for <laughs> someone that could come and lead a Hispanic ministry, in specifically Hispanic speaking ministry at First Baptist Tawasso.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what's funny is that when I met Chris, he was speaking to Emily outside And I didn't know it was Emily's dad. I was like, who is this stranger talking to Emily? (laughs) So what I did is I was like, well, I'm going to go check on Emily, make sure she's okay. And so I walk over and I was was like, hey, Emily, what's up? What's going on? She goes, hey, this is my dad. And I was like, oh, okay. Safe. (laughs) Uh, You guys don't really look alike. But now I can see. At that point, point I couldn't. And uh, I remember talking to him. and, And so it was in all of that where by the end of my senior year, I was thinking I was going to California. That felt like home. You know, I do speak Spanish and I do have that culture. And I did want to do ministry in the context of language. And I had this passion and this heart and this vision that God had given me that I just hadn't seen anywhere else. And the Lord made it really, really clear I was supposed to stay in Oklahoma. And when he made it really, really clear throughout all of these things, uh, that's when I got a call from Chris and... Really, it was a second call because I think he was the first one to ever call me. And it was a second call. He's like, hey, what are you thinking? And I said, well, let's talk. And then that's when the uh, the lead staff came, uh, the lead pastors came to Shawnee and they talked. And they actually came three or four times just to tell me their whole heart and their thought. And I just listened. I didn't say a word. I just listened. And at the end, they said, okay, we've laid everything out. What do you think? And the first words that came to my mouth was... If you're going to call this a Hispanic ministry and call me a Hispanic pastor, I'm not going. Hmm. And their faces just drop. They're like, "Oh no, what do we do? <laughs> What's going on?" And that's when I that's what helped me articulate, well, you know, the only thing that truly separates us is communication. Hmm. Because if I started speaking Spanish right now, most of our listeners would be like, "Yeah, I'm done." Um because I I don't understand. And so cultural boundaries can be crossed, but it's this language barrier that on earth truly separates us. And so I want to do ministry in the context of language. And that's what led me to be here uh, Mm -hmm. at this church Mm -hmm. at FPC Waso, to where we are truly walking in step to being a bilingual family of faith Mm -hmm. that loves the Lord, loves others, and wants to see others come to the feet Mm -hmm. of the cross in a way that they can understand without difficulty. So that's what that looks like. I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, can you share a, some a time that things got frayed for you? Hmm.
2: Hmm. You know, I love this question because I think all of us have, have been there. Yes. Absolutely, so uh, true. All of several us. Several times. Se- several times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we will
1: have more. And times. we'll continue.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, a it's a constant thing, honestly. Um, so there's so many I could share, but I think I'm just going to share two uh, because you know, kind of what I've talked throughout this whole time is. Uh, I grew up in a divorced family. Um, I grew up, technically, after the divorce, my mom and I and, and Caleb were homeless. And so we had to go live with my grandparents in Altus. That's how I ended up mm, there. Okay. And and so I saw my mom working two jobs. I, I had to help around the house. I grew up having to cook and clean and take care of and take people. So I feel like I have little sons, though they're my brothers. Uh, and so I know how darkness comes. Mm-hmm. and i know what darkness feels like
1: mm-hmm.
2: but i also know that god still works through the darkness and god and like divorce is never in god's plan but i can be a testimony right now of how because god worked through the divorce i am who i am today and i don't know honestly and i know god is sovereign i know god is good but my goodness i don't know if i'd be the same me side today if my parents were together because My dad was a different person back then. He was very selfish, all about money. And I have a business mindset and I can become very selfish and all about money, just like my dad. Uh, And I might've become like that, but because of divorce, because of being in a different place, I mean, God worked through that. And so there's Mm -hmm. some of those frays, right? But the first really big fray actually happened when I was 15. So it's before the 16 Mm -hmm. experience that I told you about. And I think what happened at 15 set the stage for my heart to be open, for my eyes to be open, for my ears to be open to what God was saying. And so at 15, uh, I had been dating this girl for like two years and she was actually two years older than me. And so I'm like 15, she's about 17, 18, about to graduate high school, uh, And, and so, you know, at that moment at 15, that's kind of like your world. And you're like, I've been dating this girl for two years. She's two years older than me. So I felt super cool. You know what I mean? Right. And I was like, (laughs) You can
1: picture your lives together. Yeah, I can picture your lives together. I was (laughs) like, you know,
2: she's going to be going to the community college. So we're still in the same town and she has (laughs) two years there. I have two years here. We're going to get married, all these things. And I had already, and I don't really think too much in the future like that, like planning out detail by detail uh, because I think we set ourselves up for failure at that point, but uh, I had thought about it a little bit, and even she was talking about it for a little bit. But then, come to find out, she cheated on me, mm-hmm. and she was going behind my back, and and it was a it was a really tough deal because I I not only heard from other friends, but I I would get a text from a friend saying, "Hey, so and so's car." is because you know how okay let's just be honest here you know how like every time ta- every ta- town has like the spot that like high school students go to to go do like really bad things
0: sure huh? oh yeah okay let's
2: just be <laughs> let's just be straight up real yeah, quick yeah, yeah. every town has it so one of my friends would text me saying hey why is your girlfriend's car at this spot like what mm-hmm. are you guys doing because it was a person who was watching out for me and i was like bro i'm not there I'm not there at the spot. I was like, I'm not, I've never been there, had never gone there, never want to go there. And he's like, well, I thought you were there because your girlfriend's car is there. And I just want to make sure you weren't doing that. And I said, well, then who is she there with? Mm, And
1: Very sus.
2: Yes, very sus. (laughs) And so I I was patient a little bit, but then I kept hearing more things and more things. And I said, oh my goodness. So I confronted her about it. And I said, I need you to tell me for cheating on me. And she's like, yeah, I am. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So that just rocked my world, crumbled me. I felt like I was in a deep, dark hole. Mm -hmm. I I was like, well, I'm going to cut you. I'll see you later. And she was like, no, we can work this out. And I said, no, we can't. It's over. So that brought me to a whole, like I said, deep, dark hole. And this is is kind of funny. But uh, I was in my room crying. And my grandma walks in. She's like, hey, I know you're not hungry, but here's a piece of cheese. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, thank you, Mimo. I call her Mimo. I was like, thank you, Mimo, for this piece of cheese. And I was like, so she like sat there with me, kind of patted my leg, gave me a piece of cheese. I don't know why it's a piece of cheese. Uh, but through all of this, I was in so much pain and so much so much emptiness. But I think God really directed my focus in these moments because... Uh, Again, I never listened to a lot of contemporary Christian music, but I remember hearing the song called uh, I'll Praise You in the Storm. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And do you guys remember who sang that song?
0: It was uh, Casting Crowns. Casting
2: Crowns. Okay. I Praise You in the Storm by Casting Crowns.
1: Uh, What a great song.
2: And I remember listening to that song and I was just like on my knees with with my head and my hands on my bed and just crying and calling out to the Lord saying, God, like this really sucks, but I need to praise you in the storm and this storm just sucks. And I actually remember learning that song on the guitar Mm -hmm. and I would just like sit there and just play and I'd sing it, you know, God, I praise you in the storm. And I wish I could remember more of the lyrics right now. uh, But they're just really powerful lyrics. Like I recommend you uh, to even...
1: Absolutely. And the gist of it is we know God could make the storm stop. But even if he doesn't stop the storm, mm-hmm. we're going to praise him anyway. Yeah. that's And it's how he's so faithful, yeah. whether we're in a time of calm mm-hmm. or storm.
2: Yeah. And he was still there and so faithful. And so God used that situation to absolutely break me. I felt so broken at this little 15-year-old. And I
0: mean, that's serious. Like yeah. being a high school counselor, yeah. I mean... People don't understand that first love mm-hmm. is so traumatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And in fact, we would, I'm sure every listener can relate to the remembering back to the first time that you felt crushed or heartbroken.
0: It didn't matter what age you are. It mm-hmm. was real yeah. mm-hmm. to your heart. Yeah. So, cause I will have parents that'll be like, it's their first love who like, it's puppy love, whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. For them right now, mm-hmm. this is everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And God does not waste our pain, whether it happens
1: when we're young, little bitty, whether we're 15, whether we're 47, Mm -hmm. God does not waste our pain. So please continue.
2: No, totally. That's a great, that's a great word because I don't think God wasted that. Again, it was a whole Mm -hmm. redirection of focus. And I even remember seeing her at Walmart. Like I had gone into Walmart by myself to buy something and then she was there and I saw at Walmart. And she comes up to me, tries to give me a hug. And it's like, hey, how you been? You know, maybe we should talk. And I was like, no, I was like, no, we're not doing that. So even in the midst of like potential, the temptation to get back together or the potential, oh man, I just, I want you so bad. I had shifted my focus to where I want God so much more than I want you. I want to be with him in the pain, even if it means not being with you in this, I don't know, whatever love that was or joy that was Mm -hmm. and it it was beautiful because it it brought it brought me super close to my mom even more so than we were uh even my grandma and it was that whole refocusing Mm -hmm. that I think led up to me being really attentive to the the Holy Spirit when he really put that really clear calling on my life Mm -hmm. and because I could have I mean I think about like you were talking about, uh, I, I could have been one of those teenagers that felt so deep and so dark because it was my whole thing. I could have gone right. a whole different direction. Yeah, I could have let that whole thing just say, you know what? I, I hate God. I hate this. I hate myself. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? And then do something traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I truly gave all, all credit to the Lord and that song I praise in the storm because it just became so real that even in the storm, God is with me. Yeah. And uh, I was just reminded of so much of his goodness. And then another, another moment of this "frayed not aspect actually was more recent. Uh, so I started college in 2016. and that same year, uh, there is some really hard stuff going on in my family where uh, a divorce happened between one of my family members and someone else. And then there's this really gray area. And then she like... Uh, I got with another guy, and then I get a phone call saying that my family member uh, is being domestically violated. And I was like, wait, what? What is going on? And as they went into more detail, they said, well, actually, this family member is in the hospital.
0: Hmm.
2: And I'm I'm in a class getting these text messages. And so I walk out, and I call them like, what is going on? They said, hey, you should probably come to Oklahoma City. And so I walk back into class and I look at the professor, I said, "Hey, I have a family emergency. I need to leave." I drive up to Oklahoma City, and uh, as I'm driving, I'm praying, and I'm like, "God, I'm, I'm confused what's going on. I get to the hospital. I meet I meet my, uh, my grandparents and my mom. We go up to the hospital, and for the first time ever, I see his family members laying down in this hospital bed. Their face is absolutely just beat up, hmm. bruised purple and it's a she it's yeah. my aunt and i just remember being so mad
1: hmm.
2: and like, like sometimes would do this to her? Yeah. yeah like sometimes i explain it like my mexican blood was boiling <laughs> and I, I i was just i was so in shock and just seeing her laying there. So mad that I walked out, and I passed my my stepdad, and I was just going straight to my car to go drive around. And I don't know. I wasn't thinking so. In my mind, I was probably like, I'm going to go find this guy because I I really – this is how I explain it. It's okay to laugh at this, but I, I really wanted to go find him. I wanted to kill him. I wanted to chop him up to little pieces and even eat him as a taco. <laughs>
0: like, I wanted to this go buy. No, this <laughs> yeah, is real. This is This is honest. This is how you feel. Like it's how yeah. I felt.
2: I want to go buy a salsa and say, "Yeah, bro, I'm going to eat you." I'm so mad. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I mean, we're, we can
0: see the humor in it, but oh my goodness, it's yeah, so real. You must have so been real. so. I mean, it's a anger.
2: Like yes. it's a huge. Yes. Your loved yes. one. Somebody has
0: violated your loved one.
2: Yes. Yeah. And. And it's just, oh my goodness. And so my stepdad, he followed me out and he grabbed me. He goes, hey man, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. We need to, we need to pray. And at that moment, I was like, no, we don't need to pray. I said, we need to go find him. We need to go put him in jail we need all these things. And so I, I, I just remember just sitting outside on top of my car, just thinking and praying and just trying to calm down. And it's, and it's this whole aspect from there, even until now, that God was teaching me walking faith, and He was like me said, "What does walking faith look like?" Because faith is not stagnant; it's walking. And as you as you walk in this faith, it needs to be prayerful. Uh, and so I had to just walk back inside of the hospital and say, "Lord, I'm going to have faith that You are just. I need to have faith that You love my enemy, and He's my enemy, and You love Him." And at the moment, I hate that you love him, but I know you love him. And I need to pray for him. And God help me to know how to pray for him Mm -hmm. because I don't know how. Mm -hmm. And the only only thing I want is for him to just not, not be here. And I wish I could tell you that after my aunt got out of the hospital, everything was okay. But that's not the case at all. Uh, it's been, it's been a whole process of, of hurt and really, uh, you know, if my family listens to this, then they can just listen to it. But here, the reality is that because of the situation, my family started to crumble Hmm. and I've, I almost felt like one of the last pillars keeping everything up because my grandpa had passed because of this whole situation passed on the baton to me as being the man of the family. And, and that's it was, a heavy
0: load at 23.
2: Well, heavy load? Well, I got it at 18.
0: Mm.
2: I was passed the baton at 18. Because my grandpa... And I get you, it is a heavy yeah. load.
0: Yeah, Yes.
2: And it still is. Um, and when he passed on that baton, now I was the one getting the phone calls at 3 a.m., cry, people crying. Now I'm the one saying, he said, what do we do? Now I'm the one because I guess because I was going to college and studying what I was studying... I would come home, and my grandpa and my and my mom and all these people would just get in arguments on what to do with this whole situation, because you have some people saying we just need to pray and love him, and you have other people saying, well, yeah, we can throw him in jail, I'll never see him again, and so mm-hmm. it's like this whole just clash between the family, what do we do? And so I walk in the room, and everyone looks at me and says, okay, what do we do? Hmm. And I and I'm like, yeah, I just got back from college, like I just want to chill. Yeah. And now my grandpa's like okay me said we're here to listen whatever you say we will do. And I was like wow and so the lord had to give me a lot of wisdom there. Uh, and so there is I mean if I took a detailed route of all the hurt between 18 to 23 so that'd be what like 5 6 years now.
1: It would need uh, to be a 5 hour podcast.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. And even you know even now even now it's it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh Even now, I still feel like one of the last pillars in my family trying to hold things up. And when I was younger, my mom was my rock. But as soon as I turned 18, I became my mom's rock.
1: Hmm.
2: And my aunts and my grandpas and everybody's rock to where now I hold that weight for everybody. Hmm. And it's just been really, really hard. Mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. it's been so hard and, and again just learning uh again to praise him in the storm again to know what walking faith looks like and giving things to the lord of saying lord if i hold all this weight on my own i'm literally gonna fall
1: like you mm-hmm. can't do it no, you i can't. can't
2: yeah i can't and uh,
1: what would you say to a listener who is like, you are talking to me. <laughs> I can't carry all this by myself. What would you tell them that God's yeah. taught you Yeah, about trying to carry something so heavy?
2: Yeah, no, that's good. Two things come to mind. Um, my mentors are really beneficial because what they did was listen. And all I could do was just pour my heart out and they listened and they said, "Me Misa, we have nothing to say, but we're going to pray. And that was really helpful because as human beings, sometimes we just need to get things out mm-hmm. and then get all the frustration out. Right. And I just want you to understand. I don't need you to respond. I just need you to know you understand. And the second thing would be taking to heart uh, Psalms 46.10. Psalms 46.10 says that we are to be still, and know that he is God, that he's exalted among the nations, he's exalted among the earth. And it was, it was in those moments of being still that I could give it to God, that I could uh, be in different postures of prayer and, and say, Lord, I need to give this to you because if I don't, I will crumble. Mm-hmm. God, I need to give this to you because I'm literally worrying about something I can't control. So why am I going to worry about something I don't have a hand in? I said, I could worry about this for a hundred years and I still change nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's so, a big thing that causes people to get into substance abuse, Yes. anything for an escape, yes. all kinds of different things, just because they're yeah. trying to escape all of that weight.
2: Yeah. yeah. And
0: I'm interest, it's interesting that the Psalm 4610 has come up. Several times in the last several episodes. Yeah, it's
2: it's a powerful thing. it keeps
0: coming Mm -hmm. into our stories. Yeah,
2: because how many times are we just still before the Lord? Right. How many times do we say, Lord, I want to enjoy my relationship with you so much that I don't have to talk with you. I don't have to be doing something for you, but I can enjoy your simple presence. Mm. And it's in those moments of being still that... I get to say, Lord, I just want to enjoy your presence, enjoy that relationship with you. Because if you think about the relationships we have, uh, you know, both of you have, have husbands, how beautiful it is sometimes just to enjoy their presence. It's like, look, I really don't want to talk about our day. I just want to know that you're sure. here. Mm-hmm. I just want to hug you. I just yeah. want to sit with you. Uh, I just want to watch, you know, American Idol with you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, and so it, it's, that's something I'd encourage Mm -hmm. Um, is, is being still with him. Cause I think that I could, you know, we could say a lot of things we say, oh, you know, read your Bible, pray this and this. And look, we know that. And sometimes it's really put into practice. So if you're not putting that in practice, put it into practice. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: But if we're just being real and raw and honest, how many times do we just sit still?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's yeah. frustrating, I think, sometimes for people who are going through something very traumatic. Yeah. For people in the church to just say, well, you just got to pray about it. Yeah. Or maybe you're not praying enough. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've met some of those people yeah. and they're like, that's all I do is pray about this situation. Mm-hmm. I need something else. Yes. I need therapy. I need something.
2: Okay. So you're hitting something on the spot. With walking faith and with sitting still, the culmination of all of that was saying, God, I'm going to pray about it once. I'm going to leave it in your hands and I'm walking away. I'm no longer going to pray about it. Because if I keep praying about it, I'm going to keep thinking about it. If I keep thinking about it, I'm going to keep oh, worrying wow. about it. If I keep worrying about it, I'm not going to give it to you. Hmm. And so, God, I'm going to have so much walking faith in you. that I'm going to pray about it once, understanding you're the God almighty. You hear my prayers, you know my thoughts, and I'm going to stop praying about it. Because I I just don't want it at the forefront of my mind.
1: Hmm.
2: I don't want to be thinking about that situation all the time.
1: Maybe that's part of the casting our burdens. You know, um, like Isaiah 26.3 says, casting your cares on Him mm-hmm. because He cares for you. So if you really, if, if you think about casting something, like if you're going fishing and you cast, you take your... Uh, like I'm some great fisher person haha mm-hmm. ha. I'm not but <laughs> I have gone fishing once but you you throw your line mm-hmm. and you have to let go mm-hmm. with at the right moment you have to let the line out and you have to let go you can't keep holding it or mm-hmm. you won't be able to make the line mm-hmm. go anywhere yeah. so casting we have to actually let yeah. go of it yeah and exactly. like you say if I keep staying and stewing about it yeah. I'm praying and praying and praying it's like we're not letting go.
2: Exactly. Because we could take it super spiritual. You say, oh, I'll keep praying about it. Okay, let's not over-spiritualize it. Cast your cares. Like if it's if it's a, you know, because cast could also mean throw. Mm-hmm. Throw your cares on me. Well, if I'm throwing something, that means I'm holding on to it and I'm letting go like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, if someone comes up to me and mm-hmm. says, Misa, that's what's going on. The last thing I want to say is, well, You need to keep praying about it. Because for me, that's me telling them.
0: They're not doing enough. Yes. And it's in their hands. Yes. Yeah.
2: Because the prayer leads to thought. The thought leads to worry. The worry leads to even more deep, dark hole. And uh, that might be the opposite of what you've always heard in your life. From a pastor, from a Christian... But I think it's something that really helps. Well,
1: me Well, we're out. not saying don't pray. No, 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 we're not saying don't pray. Correct. We're just saying instead of focusing all on that main worry and pray like I just can't stop, stop, stop. We're
0: saying let it go.
2: Yes. Hmm?
0: Yeah. yeah. There's praying and letting it go, and there's praying and like I'm still holding on to it. Mm-hmm. And that those are that's Correct. what we're talking about.
2: Correct. Yeah. Correct. So those are the two big things I think that would be the afraid not moments of my life. And one of them is present continually, like right now, going mm-hmm. through it. Yep. Got a phone call last week uh, kind of thing. And
1: Yeah, our lives don't have a little neat bow tied on the top a lot of the times.
2: Because
1: no. we're a mess. Yeah. And God works in the mess anyway. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. These are great questions. These are great questions. I love it.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your That's heart with see.
1: us. Thank you. And all the listeners today, we're so glad that you have chosen to listen to this story and just hear how Misael is learning this walking faith. And we are praying for you today that you will know that God is with you, that mm-hmm. he can walk with you through your story too, like mm-hmm. he's walking with Misael.
2: Yeah, I believe, I believe that. And in walking faith, here's, here's my two second encouragement to you guys, and to everyone listening. Uh, As we do walk in faith, I want to encourage you to live in humility, understanding who the King of Kings is. But I also want you to live in boldness, knowing who the King of Kings is. Because so many times we think those are two separate things, but I, I actually think it creates a beautiful tapestry of saying, I will bow down to the King in humility but that same king looks at me lifts my head and says i love you and i have a decree for you to share so now go out in boldness because if you think of a kid if a mom says to the kid hey tell your brothers to stop that or tell your brothers to do that as that kid you go hey mom said
0: (laughs) mom said and so i want
2: to walk in boldness saying hey the king said and uh That has been a a huge game changer in my life and this walking faith of living in humility and in boldness, uh, one in each hand. So good.
1: Thank you so much.
0: We are so grateful to Misael for coming and sharing his story. I personally got a lot out of that. Um, I really loved how he talked about how God still works through darkness and he doesn't waste our pain and also that we need to pray once letting it go and quit taking it back because that's what I have issue with. So that picture of casting it and letting it go and letting God handle it and quit, keep bringing it back and thinking that we have control of it, that was something I really needed to hear. Something exciting that Misael is a part
1: of that all of you who are in the Tulsa area I want you to know about this, the vision for First Baptist Owasso, Tulsa campus, is that there will be two thriving services, a bilingual family of faith, a fully English service, a fully Spanish service. And that's coming, and it's an exciting thing to think about, that whether you hear Spanish as your main language or whether you're English as your main language. There's a place for you, and we hope you find it if you're
0: looking for something like that. So thanks again for listening today. If you want to hear more from Misael too, you can check out the platform podcast, and his story will be on episode one of that. Thanks for listening, everybody, today. And one of the things
1: that we're going to part with today is the words that Misael shared with us. Live in humility, serving the King of Kings and live in boldness, serving the King of Kings. Great example, Misael. Have a great day.